Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, my guest is Chris Rohde. He's a supply chain supervisor at Consumers Energy. So, Chris, if you'll introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> like Bill said, I'm a supervisor over in supply chain. Um, I started my career about seven and a half years ago as a contractor with the company. Um, came in, got a full-time admin job, and just kind of worked my way up through the leadership ranks um, from there. I live in Saginaw, Michigan um, with my my boyfriend of two years and our two dogs. I got a beagle and a little uh, eight-month-old Welsh corgi puppy and love him to death, little, little Finn. Um, other than that, I, I got a degree. I got a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from the fantastic Northwood University here in um, Midland, Michigan. And um, happy, healthy, and excited to be here with you. Well, excellent. And you mentioned a corgi. So my uh, brother-in-law and his family have a corgi. They live over in Chicago. So just a, a shout out to Boone, my favorite corgi, uh, <laughs> while we're talking about dogs here. His his real name, if you want to know his real name, his real name is uh, Sir Finnick Douglas of Woodbridge. Um, so, but I call him Finn for sure. I figure he's a, a Welsh corgi. The Queen of England's got a bunch of corgis. Um, I live on Woodbridge. I said, just it was fitting. It was fitting. So that's that's his full name. <laughs> you wouldn't want to have to be yelling that when he's running down the street. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I can only imagine. So. It is June, it is Pride Month, and I am talking to a lot of our coworkers about that. And one of the things I want to talk to you, Chris, is what does Pride Month mean to you, and how do you celebrate it? Pride Month to me is just a little bit different than, than most, and, and maybe a little unconventional uh, from the way most people look at it, I think. Um, Pride to me is a month of love. Um, so that's what June really is. It's, it's a reflection of how we should be acting and behaving towards one another uh, throughout the entire year, right? June is just a great reminder of how it should be. Um, I'm a firm believer of getting along with everybody, whether you have different beliefs, whether you might not care for somebody, um, whatever the situation is, right? Like, I don't know if I should say that, but it's the truth. We all have individuals that we like to be around and we have individuals that we don't love to be around, but we're going to have to, right? And we have to be, you know, and, and work together and be respectful of each other. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't love and care for those individuals, right? Each one of us has a story. Um, the great part about us is that each one of us are different. We're, we're our own individual human beings. And um, there's not enough of it, I don't feel like today in society, of, of love and caring for each other and, and you know, just caring for humanity, right? And, and the health and well-being of individuals. So that's ultimately what pride means to me and what June means to me. And I think that celebrating it through love is a great way to, to look at that. I see it work that we all have different values. We all have different opinions. We all have different ways that we live, but we can all find common ground and show love and caring and grace to one another um, as we go through not just the month of June, but, but every month, really. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, you know, when we look at it, the push that we're having in in work and these these tough conversations that we're having nowadays um, at work outside of work I think are fantastic. We're talking about those things that um, 
are are uncomfortable to most, right? But let's look at an example. Um, people who don't like speaking in public, how do you get over that? You get over it by putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations to do it until it becomes normal, right? Until it becomes something that you are comfortable with. Uh, practice makes perfect, and I firmly do believe that, right? And so, you know, kind of looking back at this, we, we got to put ourselves in those uncomfortable situations and have those uncomfortable conversations um, to move forward and to become the best that we can be as a society. You know, I have faith in society that we can get there, but we got to take it one step at a time. So I want to go back to a couple of things you said um, at the beginning in your introduction. Uh, you talked about your boyfriend of two years and that this is the most natural conversation that I've had. This doesn't differ from any other conversation I've had, but I can tell you in my experience 10 years ago, that would have been an uncom uncomfortable conversation. And I know that a lot of my um, coworkers and your coworkers too um, may have lived through a time where they couldn't put photographs out on their desk because of who they loved, um, or they couldn't talk about it in, in the way that you do. And so to me, there's a journey and there's a story in there. And I'd really like to kind of hear your story about about growing up and in, in, um, in, in being who you are. And I got to ask, I mean, and this is this question is not going to sound right, but have you always felt comfortable just sharing who you are or have you ever felt uncomfortable doing that? Absolutely. I, I love that question. I'd love to talk about it. So I actually grew up in a small town. Um, I think I graduated with less than 100 um, individuals from where I'm from. I'm from a small town called Hemlock. Um, not a very diverse place at the, at the time um, growing up. It was very uncomfortable. I hid who I was. Um, I think that that's still deep rooted in me because when I did come to work and start working uh, for the company, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like my career, my success, the direction I wanted to go was going to be based around that that single principle, right? That 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 was going to be my deciding factor of oh, you don't look the part, or you know, you know, we don't want you bringing your boyfriend to these events, right, or whatever, as you as you move up and and climb the ladder um, to the point now where I do feel comfortable, um, and it took me really stepping outside of my my own comfort zone to get to that point. Um, and I just, you know, the company that we work for, Bill, is taking amazing steps and strides to get us there. You know, when the when the big initiative and push really started happening, I was still very uncomfortable. But I thought to myself, being, you know, part of PACE and on the steering committee, I, I thought to myself, I have to lead the way. I have to let people know that it's okay and that you can still continue to to you know foster a, a positive um, career and, and be successful with being exactly who you are and nobody else and then to add to it you know another layer is i am a catholic gay man from a small town right and i i am still practice my faith i still believe in you know the things that i was raised in from that aspect so it adds a whole nother layer of um challenge or stereotype behind it and you know I'm, I'm i'm coming to work every day i'm waking up every day and just showing everybody it's about you as an individual everything else beside it is 
shouldn't be based on that, right? Like the norm should be based on an individual person, um, not who they love, not what they look like, not because of their disability, not because of, of their past, right? Um, but of who they are in the effort and the work that they put in to get there. Um, and so I, I just started leading by example in that way. And I'm so very fortunate. I will tell you, I'm very, very fortunate for the company. I'm very, very fortunate that they are supportive and they are taking, you know, bold steps and actions to get us there because I've never felt more comfortable to walk into a room and an introduction just like we had earlier, right? Where I would not have seven years ago sat around the table and said, you know, when everybody's showing pictures of their family or, you know, on their on their slideshow of, of who you are and da 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 da, I would not have ever put that in there. I, I honestly I wouldn't have even dreamed of it. Now it's to the point where I come in, I have no no problem doing that. I don't think it's anything um, tableau or out of the ordinary compared to any other family, right? Um, there's a lot of individuals out there who don't have kids. The first thing you say is, well, do you have kids? Um, and then that obviously leads me to, well, I'm you know, with my boyfriend of two years and we don't really, we don't want kids. Um, doesn't mean that we, we can't have kids, right, if we wanted to, um, but we, we just are choosing not to. We don't want kids. And, um, you know, opens up that conversation and it should never be weird. It should never be uncomfortable. And I'm to a point where I don't feel uncomfortable now. I don't feel like that's something that's holding me back. So I got to ask, what was what was that like? And I speak from some experience, my time in the military, you know, a lot of the soldiers that I worked with were, were gay and they they couldn't talk about it. And so I, you know when we did those exercises where we talked about our families or we talked about our loved ones, we talked about our significant others, they participated, but in kind of a different way and looking back on reflecting back on that, that has to be difficult. I mean, how'd that make you feel sitting there thinking, I would really like to tell people about this great relationship I have, but I can't. It's hard. It's, and, and here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to say. A lot of people who haven't been in a situation where they've had to hold something in, don't understand that feeling inside of you. Um, when you don't get to bring your whole self to work or to the classroom, if you're in school and you know you got to do introductions in your college classes or whatever, it's hard. It feels like you're, I'm a very, I'm a very um, ethical, conscious person, right? I would turn my, I can't do anything bad because I would turn myself in. I just, I'm guilt struck in. Um, and in a way, it's almost that same feeling when you go and you present um, and they're asking you about you, Dan, if you feel comfortable, talk about your family and, and all this kind of other stuff. And you can't, right? It gives you that same feeling, almost like you're doing something wrong of not being able to be transparent and honest. And I just hated that feeling. I did not want to continue to go through that feeling. And honestly, I don't know if... I would still be here if it wasn't an environment where I could do that because it, it really is something that it, it's one of those things that just compiles inside of you and then it leads to a point of, you know, explosion or, or, or just too much of emotion inside of you. So, um, I, like I said, I am so very fortunate in the direction that we're moving. I'm so very fortunate with the direction society's moving and where, where our laws have gone and all these these movements. Um, 
for us to get where we need to be to allow us to be our whole self in every way, shape or form. So was there a turning point for you? Um, you know, I know a lot of times we talk about like coming out um, and, and coming out to our parents or to our families. Was there like this turning point for you where where you was it gradual? Were you able to just say, hey, this is who I am? What was that like for you? Yeah. Um, so quick story on my coming out. Um, I came out a little bit later in life. I think I came out at um, 20. And how I did it, probably not the best way, but it's the best way I knew how. Um, I actually signed up to go study over in England. Um, and I didn't have the heart to tell my extremely religious uh, family in person. I don't know if that makes me cowardly or, or not, but it just this is the way that I felt comfortable, right? So I guess no, no way is right or wrong. Um, and I actually, when they were taking me to the airport, I told them I forgot something in the house. So they're in the car with my luggage and um, they're sad that I'm leaving for a year to go to England to go to school. Um, and I ran inside and I had this really long just note explaining the situation, how I felt, why I'm leaving, why I need to go find myself and who, who I am as Chris Rohde because I've been hiding for so many years that I don't feel like I've been true to myself and I don't think I've, I've gotten to find who I truly am. Um, so my, my coming out was a little bit different. So then when, you know, fast forward to when we were talking about, uh, taking the stand and finally just getting to a point where I wanted to feel comfortable at work with being who I am, right? Like I'm finally, after all those years, comfortable with who I am, I should be able to be comfortable with who I am at work as well and, and outside of work and not feel ashamed or bothered or judged um and so me being a leader me going through my master's program and my mba and learning all these um you know leadership skills and traits and and really pushing myself to to want to be the best that i can be i thought to myself leaders learn lead by you know by example is is you put yourself out there and you show people that you can do it and that's exactly what I did is I was nervous. It wasn't a, a, a fantastic um, experience right off the bat. I still had this uncomfortable feeling like they say this isn't going to happen. You know, you're not going to get any pushback from it. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you always think, well, maybe I will. You know, maybe it will. Maybe this will hold me back. And obviously, they're just not going to say anything. But luckily, you know, I had the support of so many amazing people at the company through Pace, through the ERGs. Shout out to Dan Malone, who used to be one of our um, executive sponsors, who met with me personally um, and, and had some conversations with me about it and my comfort level. And, you know, the support system was absolutely unbelievable. And I knew at that moment when I started having those conversations, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I felt better about it. Right. Like it, it got more and more comfortable and the people around me got more and more comfortable too. it opened up this environment where. People could ask questions who are who want to be more informed. And I think that that is the key, right, of we're scared of things we don't know. I'm scared of the bottom of the ocean because Lord knows what's down there. Right. So it's the same concept. Um, but if we know what's down there and we know, you know, what to look for and get that understanding, that knowledge is power, that knowledge is acceptance and that knowledge is what's going to drive us forward. So I felt 
very, very good after it was done. And I still feel good. That's why I'm here having this this conversation with you, right? Because I want everybody to know that it truly is okay. I'm not I'm not getting paid to be on here to say this, right? Like I'm saying this because this is my true unfiltered feelings about my experiences. And um, I'm just so, so proud of where I've, how far I've come, how far the companies come and how far society's come. Yes, true. And, and I think we still have a ways to go. I, I want to go back though, and I, I got to say this, I, I don't think I or anyone thinks you're a coward for how you handled that, by the way. I mean, we all handle things in a way that we try and make it not just only comfortable for us, but comfortable for others. And I think you probably did what you thought was best. If this is too uncomfortable, you don't have to answer this question, but I'm just curious, how did your family take that? Like what happened as a result of that letter? Yeah, so this was this was back when Skype was kind of the thing, right? Um, back in the day. So it was obviously ridiculously expensive to call back and forth. So I'd been there for a couple weeks. Um, I, you know, I emailed my mom and let her know that I made it and this is what's going on. I'm, you know, in these classes and the dorms are great. Um, all this, blah, 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 blah. And I remember, you know, scheduling a time because there was a five hour time difference, scheduling a time to, to call my mom where we could, um, you know, chat or whatever and check in and we didn't really bring it up. And then um, I said, well, can I talk to dad? And, um, you know, it was one of those things where he's like, well, he's just getting ready to go to bed. And I knew right there, hint, right? Like, then I get a call actually a couple days later for my dad who just recently got rid of a flip phone. So how we learned how to dial my international phone number was beyond me, but he did. Good for um, him for figuring it out. <laughs> you know, and he called and it was this just really beautiful moment of my dad's never been one to talk about his feelings too much. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, and he called me and I answered the phone and he says, Hey bud. And I said, Hey dad, how's it going? And he says, you know, I love you. You know, nothing's different. And I said, thanks, Dad. And he said, you having fun? I said, yep. And he goes, all right, this is costing me an arm and a leg. I'll talk to you soon. Um, and just right then and there was just that moment. You know, it was that moment of nothing's changed. I'm still the same person I've always been. Just because you know something different about me um, never changed their outlook. Um, did they ask some questions? Of course, they asked questions when I came home, you know. Um, but it was nothing crazy. Like, they didn't make me feel uncomfortable with the questions they asked either, right? Like, they treated me like I was the same person I was before they I left and they read the letter. And all's been great. It was never weird bringing my first boyfriend home to meet them. It was just, it was what I would imagine the world would look like if gay, anybody in the community never had to come out, right? It was never... It was, it was, you, you just didn't have to come out, right? You just came home with somebody and said, you know, this is my boyfriend or my girlfriend. And it wasn't weird. It was just awesome. I'm happy that you're happy, no matter who it is, right? And that's exactly what I always imagined it would be. And they, I just love them so much for, for doing that, you know, and, and taking a deep look at themselves and, and realizing and saying, this is the same person it's always been, right? Nothing, nothing's changed from this point. I still love them, still my family, and I don't care who he brings home. You know what I mean? Chris, you said something there too that uh, I have said and heard over and over again in what an amazing world that we could live in where coming out doesn't exist, where we are who we are, we love who we love, 
and we're accepted for that. And, you know, I, I use the example that when I was 18, if I brought my high school girlfriend home for dinner, my parents wouldn't bat an eye. Like, okay, he brought his girlfriend home, no big deal. I would like to believe that at some point we get to the point where I could have brought my high school boyfriend home and my parents wouldn't bat an eye because that's just who I am. I wanted to say what an amazing, loving, wonderful family you have, but at the end of the day, you're their son, right? They love you. And this is just one part of who you are that they didn't know about. And it shouldn't change whether they love you or not, just like it shouldn't change whether your work family loves you and cares for you and you're, you have the ability to do what you do because you're good at what you do. And this is just letting people know another part of who you are. No different than my bringing my wife to a party. I really long for a world where that that's the truth and that's how it works. And, and I see it happening slowly, uh, but we do have a ways to go. Absolutely. And you know what? The best part about if you think about our individual development as human beings, we always need to have something to continuously grab towards and something to continually work towards. Right. It's our it's our nature. It's the way our mind is built um, until the day we die. We're trying to learn and we're trying to do better um, as individuals. And as long as we are continuing down a positive path, I have a I have a feeling that, you know, my nieces and nephews um, are going to get to a point where it it isn't going to be like that right where they can bring anybody home and they're like well awesome i'm glad you're here for dinner you know not looking at and being like oh you brought your boyfriend home you know what i mean and sure. i think that slow and steady progress is better than no progress and i think that we're working towards it and all it takes is individuals like you and i bill who are making it the norm right where we're treating it as as though it's normal um and do we have ups and downs of course we do every everything's going to have ups and downs because that's life um but at the end of the day as long as we keep working and pushing towards it i think we're going to get there i really do because at the end well, of the day everybody wants love everybody wants love bill and everybody wants to get along i mean we're social species it's who we are we don't want to fight we don't want to you know be segregated we all want to live cohesively together and work towards common goals i think that that's just built in our dna and so I, i'm i'm hopeful we are gonna get there and i and i i think we will you know when i was a kid so i grew up in the i'm gonna date myself here i grew up in the late 70s early early 80s i graduated high school in 83 so now everyone knows how old bill creaker is but um <laughs> i remember like in the in like the mid 70s when i was a young kid there was this commercial and there's this kid in a in a rowboat with his grandfather and they're fishing and the kid says hey grandpa you know my friend tony said that i'm prejudiced and and prejudice was a word that we used in the 70s and 80s and, and i know we words transform but i remember this particular one and um and the grandfather said well why why would he say that you know who's tony and the kid said tony is my jewish friend and his grandfather you know said hey you are prejudiced in a way because instead of Tony just being your friend, he's your Jewish friend. And I really, that message has stuck with me my whole life. And I think about that when people say, oh, this is so-and-so, he's my gay friend, or this is so-and-so, he's my black friend. And in reality, Chris, you and I are friends. Like the labels 
don't need to belong there. You and I are friends. We're friends because of this podcast, but I think if we'd have met at a function uh, pre-COVID, we'd be friends anyway. I I 100% agree. And, you know, like I said, I'm hopeful that that's the direction that we're moving in, one step at a time, um, one movement at a time. And, you know, like I said, I, I, I really have, have faith and we're doing amazing things with the company you're doing these amazing podcasts um <clears throat> the words getting out and again if we have these uncomfortable conversations and and other people get to hear these these enlightening conversations and you know for example your story that you just told about um <clears throat> you, you know the prejudice that is what is shaped changing lives and that's what's sh uh, shifting and changing mindsets and that's a hundred percent what we need we got to talk about it we got to have these conversations and we got to share these stories yes and i really appreciate you sharing your story with our audience today i know this is going to touch hearts and minds uh, and i'm looking forward to uh to getting some feedback on it uh, but we are getting close to wrapping up we're going to run out of time here shortly before I do that, Chris, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, so one of the big things that I that I tell people, um, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but this is the world according to Chris Rohde, right? So um, is don't focus on the differences in individuals. Focus on what's, what's the same. Focus on, on those commonalities and working together to do amazing things and that's what the world needs right now, right? We need to band together and do amazing things. So when we're when we're focused on the negative, um, you're you're gonna get negative. When we focus on the positives, we're gonna get positives, right? Glass half full mentality, and that's just the message I want to leave everybody: is focus on focus on the things that are the same and that we can work towards together in the positive, and and get rid of the the negative and and stop focusing on those differences. A great way to end the podcast. I really appreciate that. Uh, again, thanks for coming on, taking some time out of your busy day, because I know supply chain is always busy. Never a dull moment over there in supply chain. I can only imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Chris. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Bill. And thank you to the audience for tuning in today. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And be sure to take a few minutes and fill out our survey to let us know how we're doing. That can be found at http colon slash slash bit dot ly slash me dash you dash us. And remember to tune in every Wednesday when we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.